0: able to to join you. I've known uh, Chuck's dad longer than he's been alive too, and I've known the family for a long time. Uh, He and his father and I have been good friends. Been talking about retirement for two or three years, and and I did, and then he did. And as we uh, look at our lives together, especially as we get on kind of this side of life, it's really interesting to see how God knits our lives together with others. Uh, through a lifetime and i have known this church a long time i i was at grand canyon university back in the day back in the late 60s early 70s I remember coming over here for some college activities and and to see this church still doing ministry to that huge community across the street is a real blessing to me uh, my wife us here she's also a real blessing to me my ministry would not have been possible had it not been for her standing by my side and being a co-partner in our ministry all of these years. Uh, I'm being a good guest speaker and uh, I'm right where your pastor would have been today in John chapter 6 as uh, you have been working through the gospel of of John and uh, today we're talking about sign eat up and as we dive into God's Word. I'm going to read the whole passage and then we're going to to talk about it. But Jesus goes on a retreat and then a lot of people show up. Like almost 20,000 people show up. That's not much of a retreat. But Jesus was going to experience a different kind of opposition at the end of a miracle that he performs. And and he's going to give people more than a bite to eat. Now, if you want just one bite to eat, where do you go today? Just one bite. Now, it's not over here because I had to have more than one bite. However, you can go to Costco and get a bite. As a matter of fact, if you go on the right day, you can pretty much have a meal. If I take my grandsons, you know they want to go to every station there is and try what they have to offer. And so, let's just kind of get our appetite wet for what God wants us to hear. Verse 1, chapter 6, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed Him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside, sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this to test him, for he would already had in mind what he was going to do. Well, Philip said, look, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Well, here's a little boy with five barley loaves and two small fish, and and how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in the place. Men sat down, 5,000. 5,000 men, so there were more. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough, you need to remember that, they had enough, they had enough to eat. He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them all up and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And after people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Let me set kind of a, a scene for this miracle that is, is family related. Kind of helps us to understand what a, a common person might experience. Uh, let's go to the shepherd slide on this one. And so there's a family in a little town near where Jesus was going to talk. And Eliana was the mom and and uh, she went to the village square one day. And there were these two men, Matthew and Mark, and they were talking about Jesus. They were talking about this prophet. They were talking about the Son of God. They also did some miracles. Remember Jesus sent them out to do some miracles and and so she saw one of her friends who had been blind healed. and the friend could see. Someone else who had been lame touched the knee and he could walk. And imagine the response. Imagine how that moved her and and the only thing, she was sad because the rest of her family wasn't there. She didn't know that was going to be happening that day. She pondered those things in her heart. really moved her. She started thinking about the claims that they were making about Jesus. About three days later, there were two men who came running through town, and they said... Jesus of Nazareth is coming. Jesus of Nazareth is coming. Now, they had no cell phones. They had no social media. They had no way to announce he was coming. That's the way they did it. And so people in those small villages would hear, and then they would all run to where they were told Jesus was going to be. Well, Eliana's husband, Ben Eliezer, was up in the mountains taking care of the sheep. She had two small daughters. But her son, Ami, was home. And so she packed him a lunch and sent Ami away with these words, Run fast. Stay up with the crowd. So Ami took off. And he found the crowd. And he found Jesus. And it was really difficult for him to find a place because Jesus asked them to to sit on the ground. And so Jesus had come this direction because he wanted to get away. Well, 20,000 people waiting to listen to you is not getting away but they, they like the signs. They like that part of his ministry. And so Jesus had something to say to them. He wanted to bless them. And you know why we're here today as disciples, as followers of Jesus? is to bless others and to bless our community. That's why this church is here. That's why this church has existed for so many decades, is to be a blessing to this community, not just the college community, although that's a wonderful mission field, but the community. And to see all of you here is evidence that you're doing what God's asked you to do. And so, God gives us an opportunity to decide how to invest in reaching people and caring for the needs of people and I really believe that this passage will help us to know how to do that better. So let's talk about this trust test for following Jesus because He gave one to His disciples. I'm going to use Scripture to interpret Scripture because this miracle is found in all four Gospels. And I want us to look at Mark chapter 6 verses 34 and 36 because Mark has some more detail. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By, the time, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place. It's late in the day. Send the people away. Now is there any compassion there? <laughs> Get rid of them, Jesus. We can't handle this crowd. I mean, just send them away. They can go in the surrounding countryside, villages, buy themselves something to eat. But really, that wasn't true. They wouldn't have been able to do that. But why did Jesus ask the question? Why why was Jesus wanting to feed them? Because he had compassion. He always had compassion. He looked on the crowds. He looked on Jerusalem. He had compassion. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He wanted to speak to them. He wanted to meet a need. He wanted to draw their attention to him. And and the disciples, though, can you imagine? They've been with Jesus already. They've already seen him do some miracles. And yet they had no compassion. What was wrong with those guys? Same thing wrong with us. We're just slow on the uptake. (laughs) And oftentimes we're concerned about what it requires of us. And so we're rather slow to respond. Motives are wrong. Clearly, the disciples' motives were wrong. You know, one time Jesus was asked, well, what are your credentials? You know, what makes you think that you're the Messiah? And, you know, he had this conversation where he said, well, you know, I, I've touched eyes and they can see. And I've touched limbs and they can walk. And I've touched bodies and... They were raised from, from the dead. And I see people who are hungry and I've fed them so they can be satisfied. And, and I see the poor and they need somebody to care for them. Those are my credentials. You know, somehow we need to understand how those are our credentials because Christ is in us today. Jesus, do you think Jesus really wants us to live lives of compassion? Don't raise your hands on this one. Now, I would like a little participation, raising hand, nodding, smiling. You know, those kind of things really help me, energize me. And so, do we really need to have compassion? Do we need to show people compassion? But do we slow down enough to even notice people? In this hurry-up world that we live in today, oftentimes we don't. And oftentimes, we kind of like the disciples. You know, I should have done that. I should have stopped it. We should do something about that. But, but we don't. And so Jesus said, listen, another place in the scripture he said, you know, when you stand before me in heaven, the righteous are going to be over there, the unrighteous over here, and I'm going to say this to the righteous, enter into the joy of your Lord, when I was naked you clothed me, when I was hungry you fed me, when I was in prison you visited me, when I was thirsty you gave me drink, When you clothe the hungry, give water in my name, and visit the prisoner, it was as though you did it to me. That's profound. Helps us understand that when we're out there doing ministry of compassion, ministry of touching people's lives, healing hurts that they have, that we're doing it to Jesus, and we're really His arms and His feet and His mouth, and we make a difference and we need to be willing to say, Jesus, here I am. What I have is yours. My time is yours. My resources are yours. Help me understand what it means to be compassionate and respond to people in a compassionate way today. Amy Carmichael said something very profound. that's on the screen. She said, you, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Does that make sense? How many of you have ever given something just because... Oh, everybody, you know, we have this opportunity, so really want everybody to give. Want everybody to do something. You know, Chuck used to, that worked really well in churches, but not so much anymore. You know, because some of us are hard, our hearts are hard. Some of it is because the pace of life is so fast. And some of it is, frankly, we don't care. Just kind of like the disciples. We just don't care that much. We want our needs met. So what was the problem? Well, there was a miracle that Jesus was going to do. And every miracle that he did was the answer to a problem. An answer to a problem. They weren't to show off. They were to meet a need. Now, in meeting the need, the crowds were impressed. As a matter of fact, they were too impressed in some ways. But the crowds were impressed with what Jesus did. But He didn't do it to impress the crowds. He did it to to meet a need. And I really think the miracles are a way of helping to train us. To train us in learning how to solve problems by going to God first. Understanding the power that God has is available to us to meet our problems. And to help us to direct other people Towards problem solving with Jesus at the helm of their life. Now I don't know about you but I had to learn that and sometimes I still have to learn that. How many of you have had a problem and immediately you want to fix it? Now we men aren't we fixers? Well, some ladies are too but we men usually want to fix it right now. You tell us and if you don't want us to give you an answer don't tell us because we're going to fix it and we want to fix it right now. We're rather impatient. But what we need to do is say, God, what do you want me to do? And then listen for a response. And sometimes that response takes a while. If we don't do that, we get ahead of God. Have you ever gotten ahead of God? Have you ever gotten ahead of God and done something? And then you look back and say, oh, what did I do that for? It would have been so much better had I waited. I'm giving you an opportunity to make some changes. You know, take it to God First and you won't have some of those problems of getting ahead of God. So back to the crowd, back to Bethsaida. The crowd listened to Jesus for a long time. It was getting late, it was supper time, the children were crying, they were getting hungry, stomachs were growling. You know, outside of a me, I don't know if anybody took lunch. They they just heard Jesus was coming and they ran for Jesus. Now, the reality, the disciples said just send them away so they could find something to eat. Those villages around there weren't prepared. They didn't have extra food. There weren't McDonald's on every corner. There was no fast food. They might have found you know, some dried fish and some barley loaves in other places, but that was not likely to happen. They just wanted to get rid of the people. They wanted the people to go away. Now Jesus said to them, you know, you give them something to eat. You think that blew the disciples away? You give them something to eat. I don't think they even could fathom that. I mean, imagine looking at, that's probably a thousand people, maybe not even a thousand people, 20,000 people. They need to be fed. And Jesus was willing to do something about it. And he already knew what he was going to do. He just wanted to see what their response was going to be. You know what their response basically was? Excuses. Now, none of you ever uh, deal with excuses, so I'm just going to move on real quick. You have excuses? You clearly know what God wants you to do. And I've had so many people say, well, someday. And then they'll tell me what needs to happen before that someday is going to happen. Or there's resources that are needed and people say, I don't have anything. How many of you have nothing? Absolutely nothing. All of us have something. Here's the question, is it dedicated to God? You know, James says every good and perfect gift comes from above, right? So everything that we have, we need to make available to God. I'll tell you what, in this consumer culture that we live in, that is a killer. Because we start comparing ourselves to other people and think other people are much better off and we don't have much and so we really can't do much. Or we say, oh, well, you know, the older people in the church are better able to do that. Or I'm going to college. I'm poor. But you know what? I've talked to college kids. I know what you spend when you go out to Starbucks. I know what you spend when you go out and eat. You know, you might not have a lot, but you've got enough for your needs. But do you have enough for what God needs you to offer him in compassionate ministry? So when the disciples said, "Uh, I think I'll pass, Jesus. (laughs) I don't know how we can give them something to eat. But then Andrew brought this little ami. He was there with five loaves and two fish. Now, he wasn't quite ushered out yet, but those were resources that were there. But you know what, they just didn't think of those as resources because they were so small. And sometimes we really don't think right about what God has given us because we think it's so small and it's so little and that's not the case. And so we offer excuses. I retired from the church arrowhead on the last day, last Sunday of January. And on that day, we moved into our remodeled worship center. However, we didn't remodel that because we wanted to remodel it. We remodeled it because the roof collapsed four years ago. I mean, it just came down. We had Bible school on a Thursday night. 350 people were in that building. My grandkids were there. My wife was there. Daughter-in-law was there, and the building. I don't have time to tell the whole story. Um, an engineer came on Friday and checked it out and said was shored up, and on Saturday. But Saturday never came. Friday afternoon it came down. I was at the office and I heard the thud, and I went to see what happened. And dust was billowing down the hall. And one of one of our, our workers, and I was thinking, man, I'm glad it happened today and not yesterday. And one of our workers was calling out Connie's name. And Connie was her worship director. And I said, don't tell me that she's in there. Yeah, she and her friend are in there trying to get a drum off the stage. Man, my heart jumped up in my throat. And I called 911. I was running around the building just hoping I would see them. And they did escape out a side door. They were standing on the platform like this. The roof Collapsed right there, and they were just about five feet away. I mean, it, it could have been a lot worse. Well, what do you do after that? I mean, is that a problem? Is it a problem that your roof collapses at church? I mean, it's a big problem. We had a youth building, and it was only a couple years old. You could see 220 people in there, and so we met in there. You know, we packed it out more than two times. There was standing room only in there, and so at least. I said, I said, this is what, exactly what I said to people, God has our attention now, doesn't he? Let's listen to him and see what he wants us to do. Well, the youth building looked like a youth building. Had the colors of a youth building, had the sound system of a youth building. We didn't have time to prepare that first Sunday and it took us a while to get things kind of tuned in. But, you know, I mean, the way the building looked didn't change. There were older people who left because they didn't like that. I said, let's listen. Let's wait. Let's see what God has to say. And then we had uh, youth services, but we couldn't do that for a while. And so we had youth leave and their parents leave because they didn't have the patience to stay around and wait and listen to God. And then we found out, we weren't going to have a good insurance settlement. We had to fight the insurance company. And so we had the joy of raising money. You're not smiling when I say that. Because you know it takes money to do buildings. Nobody hands that to us and, and uh, you know we were going to need more than $700,000. Insurance company did give us a little bit but not much. And so you know what? People left because they didn't want the challenge of giving so they weren't willing to listen to God. Now, some of you are saying, man, that's sad. You know, what kind of people do you have over there at the church arrowhead? People just like you. You know, but when the challenges come and the tests come, what are you really made out of? You know, where is your commitment and are you willing to listen to God? I mean, we had an incredible opportunity to step into God's provision and people said no. How sad. And they really missed out on a lot of blessings. And yet some of you have problems, and I don't know what they are. I didn't ask Chuck, what are some serious problems your people are facing in the church? I mean, all of us have those kind of people. You know, God has something that he's just ready for you to step into if you'll be patient and listen to him. And I pray that you'll experience the joy, having listened to God, to see his provision. To meet your need. So Jesus was still at work. You know, he was going, going to give the bread away. And Jesus' giveaways are not limited, it's not like Costco. Oh, and by the way, if you want more than one serving of something at Costco, they can't stop you. They might look at you funny, but I read an article about that. You know, Google stuff, and they'll tell you everything you want to know and more. But with Jesus, you know, he was getting ready to do something that was absolutely remarkable. Is is hunger a problem? I mean, hunger was a problem that afternoon, but is hunger, hunger a problem in our culture? Is hunger a problem in the valley? You know, one out of four kids go to bed hungry at night. That's how food challenged they are. There are schools who send lunches home with kids on the weekend. Panera Bread Company opened... Uh, Panera Cares in three cities and three locations starting in 2013 and here's what they wanted to do. They wanted to meet the needs of hungry people by having a restaurant where people could pay or not. And so they were hoping that enough paying customers come in that they could feed other people for free. And I thought, wow, the church ought to be doing that. As a matter of fact, the church does do that in different locations, in different contexts, just like this church supports Rio Vista. And and, uh, our church has done that for a long time to feed folks in in the inner city. But they wanted to be able to have people come in and without judgment offer a meal. Now, in doing research for for today, I, I discovered that those Panera Care restaurant locations closed down. You know why? Because their resources are limited. I don't know the exact story, I don't know why all that happened, but I really like the idea. But we see Jesus and what he did that afternoon. Let's go back to the crowd. Philip said, uh, let's see, let me do the math, 200 days wages equals one bite. Not even one bite. So that's calculation. And how many times have you calculated what you think you can afford to give or do for God? That's kind of like a business proposition, not a spiritual problem. But you know what the problem was with the formula that that Philip was using? He left Jesus out of it. You know, those disciples were a bunch of Yehus, weren't they? I mean, imagine they were, had been traveling with Jesus, they'd seen Jesus do miracles, they had seen him calm the, the sea, they'd seen all of that, and they were still dense, dull. I really think they were focused on themselves, a great deal focused on themselves. But Jesus was testing Philip. Why did he test Philip? Because that's how we grow, we all need those kinds of tests. And God sends them alone. And you don't get to choose the test. They just come. And then we have the opportunity to deal with them and trust with them and trust God with them. And so here's the crowd. Andrew brings out little Ami. He said, I found this boy. He's got three barley loaves. This is a Mexican barley loaf, okay? (laughs) Couldn't find a barley loaf this morning. So three barley loaves and two little fish. And he says, okay, that, that will do. And so, you know, the, the miracle begins. He takes this Ami's lunch and it begins to, to multiply and it grows and it grows and it grows. And Jesus wants to bless his disciples so he lets them be involved in the distribution process. And we need to understand, we can't leave Jesus out. And if we include Jesus... Some miraculous things can happen in our lives. See where where it says on the screen, miracles begin when you're willing to trust God and offer Him everything. For God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way He will give you many opportunities to do good, He will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Do you want a great harvest of generosity? Do you? I mean, it's a joy to give. It's really a joy to give, and if you're not at the joy level, then you've got a ways to go, and you're going to have some more tests because God's trying to move you to that level in in your life. And so, do you think a little Ami was a little bit confused? <laughs> I mean, how are you going to feed all these people? Bring me the lunch. You know what I like about Ami? He gave his lunch away. Ten years old. Wouldn't you like to have a ten years old, ten year old? kid, to give his lunch away. You know what I found? With the right kind of motivation and understanding, kids will do that. When Sin and I were in Montana taking care of, of our two grandsons, uh, Blake 8 and Cole 5, Hurricane Harvey had hit Houston, and they had an interview one night, and, and I didn't watch a lot of, of, of the news story, but that night we were together and, and I, I said, boys, listen to this, and there's a little girl who said, we don't have any food, we don't have a bed, we don't have any place to stay. We don't have any clothes. We've lost everything. And so I said to them, I wonder if we could help her. I wonder if we could help hungry kids in in Houston. Why don't you go find your change? You know what? They didn't hesitate. They didn't ask, why should we do that? They knew that, what that little girl said, so they started getting their chains together, and then, and then Abuela, I'm Abuelo, and Abuela, you know, we, we uh, added a little bit to that, but, but not to overwhelm what they gave. And so they brought all their chains out and we began to count it, and we had little piles out on the couch, and that's a good math thing to help the kids with. But you know, we counted it, and a little short of, of $44. And so Cole, the youngest, said, let's mail this to them tomorrow. You know, like you want us to take the the dimes and the quarters and nickels and put it in the mail. So I was able to teach them how I can go online right now and through the North American Mission Board, give that money to them. And so we did that. Oh, one, one part of the story I left out. Blake, when he heard me announce the amount, and it was a little bit short of $44, he just kind of did the math in his head and he said, oh, let me go get the rest of it. So he didn't bring all of his stash out. Oh, and by the way, they got their dad's stash because he wasn't there. <laughs> and he didn't have very much. I think they kind of dip into that on a regular basis. But I tell you what, what a teachable moment. Those kids, you know, I mean, like I mean, I'm Yeah, I'm bragging on my grandkids, and they're regular kids. You know, they're not like that all the time. But aren't you glad that kind of thing can happen? Sacrifice is giving God your best. That's what Ami did that day. I mean, that's all that he had. And so, sacrifice is loving somebody, seeing someone in need, having compassion, and giving your best, not holding back. We're good at holding back. We need to get better at letting loose. Because what I say every good and perfect gift comes from, from God above. Now let me ask you a question. Did Jesus need Ami's lunch? No. Did he need the disciples? No. He could have done it without the lunch. He could have done it without the disciples. But he was trying to teach them just like he was trying to teach us. I mean, Jesus could have parachuted food out of heaven, right? It happened before. Manna. But he didn't do that. He used this little boy's lunch to feed, probably close to 20,000 people. I wish there were cell phones and people videoed that. Don't you know it would go viral? I don't know how how that happens, how the division happens, how the baskets got full, but I know it happened. I know that there was enough left over because Jesus wanted to prove that he was was, able to do more than enough. But one of the things that Jesus did that day is He prayed, we need to see that miracles are powered by prayer. In Philemon 1.6, He says, I pray that you may be active and share in your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. We talked about opportunities to do good, and now understanding every good thing. Do you have a lot of good things from Christ? Do you? What do you have that's good from Christ? Everything that you have. Belongs to him. And so when we pray, we need to have a good understanding of that. So we're willing to hold our time and our energy and our resources with open hands and take care of them. But oftentimes, you and I react in panic. Something really bad happens. I dealt with a family who had a suicide. A fiance, 36 years old, killed himself. Don't know why. No, no clues, just just did it. You know, they were getting ready to, to make some life decisions about putting these families together, and then he's gone. And I tell you what, that's, that's hard to deal with. But you know what, you, if you don't pray through that, you're, you're not going to make it very far. You're not going to do well. You're not going to thrive. And yeah, it's a process. Grief is a process, but you don't hit the panic button, you hit the prayer button. How many of you know where the panic button is? You can see on reactions, can't you? When people panic? You can't see so much when they pray. But we really need to pray. Because that lays the foundation for God's provision in our lives. And the miracles open people's eyes to God. In John 6:14, the people realized that God was at work among them in what Jesus had just done. They said, ah, this is the prophet for sure, God's prophet right here in Galilee. Tell you what, that miracle, I I don't understand it, I believe it. I don't quite get how God did the multiplication. I understand he's fully capable of doing that, but in my human mind, I really like to see it with my own eyes. Are you like that? And we like to see how things are done. Jesus just likes to do them so that people can see who he is so he said and did what was needed to fill their stomachs that night their response you're the prophet now these people were in love with signs they weren't necessarily in love with Jesus They were in love with signs at that point in in their lives. And Jesus wanted them to understand the real gift is Him. And I'm going to go ahead. Your your pastor will probably be covering this next week. So I'm going to give you a little preview, okay? In John 6, 25, when they found Him on the other side of the lake, because Jesus got away from that crowd too, they kept pressing Him and He got away from them. Rabbi, When did you get here? Jesus said, Verily, truly, uh, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and filled up your belly. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on Him God the Father has placed a seal of approval. Then they said, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus said, The work of God is this, Believe in the One whom He has sent. In me. I'm the one he has sent. So I invite you to taste the wonder bread of Jesus. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Let's read this together. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You know, the greatest miracle is the miracle of following Jesus, the miracle of confessing your sin, the miracle of acknowledging Jesus' death on the cross was in your behalf. He paid the price, He was your substitute. The miracle, greatest miracle, is the new birth. If you've not experienced that miracle today, I would invite you to say, Jesus, forgive me. I've sinned. I'm a mess. I need my life to change. The only hope is you. Come into my life. I fully acknowledge what you did on the cross was for me. I want to follow you today. This church will help you. This church will disciple this church will help you to understand what it means to be a follower. Some people say, I want to understand before I follow Jesus. No, you've got it backwards. You just start. Then the understanding will come. And You have a, a visitor's card. There's various ways that you can connect with the pastor and the staff or, or people that you know here at the church who can help you understand how to make this commitment to follow Jesus. And then... Next week, you're going to celebrate some miracles because there will be some people who followed Jesus. You see, sometimes we just say, oh, I wish I'd have been there for the bread. No, I wish I'd be here to see people come to follow Jesus. In, in today, right now, today. Now, Some of you saw that there was another verse that was up on the screen when I read this passage. I'm going to read it now. It says in verse 15. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. That's where they found him again, and that's where he said, you're only here for getting your belly full and the signs. You're not here for me. You have no interest in following me, and the crowd thinned out after that. But look at Jesus. Opposition. Your pastor's been talking about that opposition. Up to this point in time, it's come from the religious folks. Now it comes from the crowd. They want to crown him as king. Jesus wasn't ready for that. It was not in God's timing. So Jesus' ministry was filled with some interesting twist. And this is one of those. People who loved their bellies to be full. But when it came to it, didn't really want to make the sacrifice to follow him. I pray that you will be among those who want to make the sacrifice. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit's conviction. And I pray today that someone or several would come to the end of themselves and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to control my life. I need you as my Lord and Savior. Today I follow you. You can pray a simple prayer like that. and Find someone to help you. Read the Gospel of John. Be a disciple of Jesus. Thank you so much for allowing me to come and be a part of this family of faith. I'm encouraged by what I've seen. I'm encouraged by your pastor and your staff. and their commitment and their faithfulness to do what God's called them to do here.